the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thanks for joining me this morning. I'm taking a week off. We're airing some interesting reruns this week. I'll be back live this coming Monday, January 3rd. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Wednesday, December the 22nd, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today, on December 22nd, 2010, President Barack Obama signed a law allowing gays for the first time in history to serve openly in America's military. That repealed the don't ask, don't tell policy that had been in place for a number of years previously. Today in 1937, the first center tube of the Lincoln Tunnel connecting New York City and New Jersey beneath the Hudson River. If you've been there, if you've driven in New York City, many people don't drive there, but a lot of them do, of course. But if you've driven across those tunnels, they're kind of interesting. They're, they're pretty spectacular, really. But the first one was completed today in 1937 from uh, connecting New York City and New Jersey via going underneath the Hudson River. The second tube opened in 1945, and I think the third one was like in the 50s later, 1957 or 8, somewhere in there. Today, in 1944, during World War II, Battle of the Bulge, U.S. Brigadier General Anthony McAuliffe got a demand from the German Nazis, from Hitler, demanding that he surrender. And there was a place to respond on the demand. So he responded with one word. McCullough wrote the word nuts and sent it back to them. That was his official reply. Nuts. <coughs> I don't know about you, but to me that, that kind of makes me feel good. That's the America I know. Today in 1989, Romanian President Nicolae Ceausescu, he was the last of Eastern Europe's hardline communist rulers. He was toppled from power, ultimately was killed by his own military and people. It was a popular uprising. I was in Romania in 1990, just following, <coughs> excuse me, that uh, was that last drink of coffee I had a moment ago. Got to stop doing that. I've just got to. That'll that'll be my resolution for this coming year. I will not take a drink of coffee just before I come on the air. Anyway, but it's so good. Anyway, he was the last of those communist rulers to fall, and he fell hard. He was, as I said, assassinated, shot. I was there and talked to a lot of the people, and they were, boy, they were ready for change, I'll tell you. Most of them were. The others came along. Today, 1990, Lent, uh, Lentz uh, Waleska, he took the oath of office as Poland's first popular uh, elected president. Today in 2001, Richard Reed, he was a passenger on an American Airlines flight from Paris to Miami. He tried to ignite explosives in his shoes. Remember that, the shoe bomber? He was subdued by <clears throat> two flight attendants and a couple of passengers. He's serving a life sentence in federal prison. And today in 2003, a federal judge ruled the Pentagon could not mandatory 
uh, enforce mandatory anthrax uh, vaccinations for military personnel. Interesting, in light of today's attempt to give everybody a shot. Back then, they said, no, you can't do that. I think this is... This whole vaccination thing is headed for a major blow-up only because both sides of the issue feel so strongly. Fauci on the one side and people who do not believe the government should be forcing them to inject things into their body that they don't want to inject into their body, and they feel they have a right under our Constitution to deny that. And I think that issue is headed for for a major confrontation in the weeks and months to come. Seattle Times wrote an interesting uh, article today. I, it's, it's long. I, I just want to summarize a little bit of it. But it speaks to a, a, a broader issue. The Seattle Times begins with this. They say, after narrowly preventing an effort to recall her from office, Seattle City Council member Shama Savant is doubling down on her socialist policies and blunt tactics that make her one of Seattle's most polarizing politicians. This month, they say, Savant became the first Seattle City Council member to face a recall election and keep her seat by just 310 votes. With over 41,000 ballots counted in the December 7 election, representing 53.5% turnout, 50.4% of her constituents who voted chose to back her. More than 20,000 others voted to recall her. But, the Seattle Times says, in an interview on Friday, Savant said she's not worried about her constituents who oppose her. Of course she isn't, because she's not there to serve everyone. She's there to serve a certain group of people, which apparently, if the vote was honest, I'm not saying it wasn't, I'm just saying if it was, um, there's a majority of people who voted who want her socialist anti-American ideas. So she said in this interview, she said, I'm not going to change the way we run our office because those are not our politics. She raised about a million dollars in that recall election. She said, we have won three elections in the past, then we won against the recall. Every year you will see that the vote is divided, more or less. It's very polarized in our case because we're very clear what side we're on. Well, she is. She is very, very clear. She's been in office three terms. She has a history as an activist. Savant refers to herself as a Marxist. This isn't someone like myself kind of extrapolating that from what she says she believes. She says she's a Marxist. She's prioritized her policies that benefit the poor and the working class, she says, speaking as though she is related to Karl Marx. Perhaps she is. Dividing some and uniting others is part of my politics. (laughs) With her far-left perspective and assertive approach, with her peers and her constituency, she continues her march. It's interesting, very interesting, that Seattle would stand for that, even in a recall. She was the the basis of the recall, as you may remember, had to do with um, ethics and elections commission and uh, attacks relating to Amazon and all kinds of really shady kind of stuff. 
And she sort of skated through every one of those. She had to pay, I think she paid a fine of like $3,500 or something. And she had sort of incited a, a, a group of protesters to march on the, the mayor Durkin's house and one thing or another. And she'd open up City Hall and let demonstrators come in there. And why? I don't know why that wasn't an insurrection. But no, it was okay. It's fine. And they, re, they elect her. They stand with her on a recall. So the organizers say that they're hoping that with such a narrow win, Savant will refocus her approach to government and her constituents. They said, we just want more of what we've seen from her. The conclusion of this, it's a long article, but the conclusion of this Seattle Times article says this. While this election will not end with removing council member Savant from office, her narrow escape sends a clear message. Seattle voters are yearning for constructive representation and will not tolerate slash-and-burn politicians who shrink accountability and divide the city. What? That's what they just stood with and re-elected her. They kept her from being recalled. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe everybody else understands and agrees with the Seattle Times. I don't. For many, for many, not all, but for many, this Christmas season is turning out to be much like last year. More COVID, more mandates, more riots, more arson, more market gyrations, if you have stock in the market. Mass shooting, smash and grab robberies, political dissent, attacks on traditional values. Marxists being reelected, kept in office. And certainly more Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci is emerging as the icon of the left. Things may indeed look dark at the moment, but because Jesus Christ arrived in a humble stable more than 2,000 years ago now, we have hope even in the worst circumstances. Because Christ was born, he lived, he died, he rose from the grave, we know the words of the Christmas carol, O Holy Night. They're true. A new and glorious morn, fall on your knees. That new and glorious morn awaits us. We have a hope that transcends this world. I believe we have hope in this world because Christ is in us. No matter how frightening things seem right now, fear not. There is a light in the darkness. Good news of great joy for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And I would say, as we approach Christmas, Merry Christmas. One man with courage makes a majority. A lot of people have been credited with making that statement. It's a good statement. In Erasmus' survey published yesterday, we learned that only 31% of American voters say Joe Biden represents their beliefs. 31% of voters. So he doesn't represent barely, barely not even a third of the voters in America. Democrat Senator Joe Manchin, he would not be included in that 31% who agree with Biden. He told the world, and this story went around the world, it was all over the place, it was in Africa and, and particularly in Europe, but in Australia and elsewhere, in Asia, 
But as reported over the weekend, Manchin told the country that he could not stand with President Biden on his Build Back Better agenda. He probably killed the thing as it is. It's a multi-trillion dollar dream. It's a socialist dream. It's something Savant would, would bust her arm to be a part of. Jim Hightower once said, you may remember him, those of you who are over 40. Jim Hightower once said, he was on the radio quite a bit in, in the old days. He said, the opposite for courage is not cowardice. It is conformity. Even a dead fish can go with the flow. Senator Manchin is not going to go with the flow, nor is he going to conform. One man stopped the Democratic Party and a president who is struggling at best in this kind from doing what they want to do. They want to take America the same direction and the same place that Savant wants to take Seattle. What he is personally giving up in standing for what he believes to be right is a new profile in courage. A number of people are saying that about him. The Rasmussen Report survey published yesterday reveals that Republican voters overwhelmingly say President Trump represented their personal political views. No, it wasn't a popularity contest. It wasn't that they thought he was the most articulate or the nicest guy. But they say he represented my views, politically and otherwise. But Democrats are less likely to say the same about President Joe Biden and independent voters strongly prefer Trump to Biden. Trump. Not some new candidate, but Trump. Only 31% of all likely voters say President Biden represents their political views. Democrat Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia, he would be among the Democrats who have a different view than Biden. Biden is so upset he can't hardly talk. Of course, he can't anyway, but he's really struggling. He was impaired in trying to express how disappointed he was. Jin Psaki was much more outspoken than the president. Jen Psaki, the House press secretary, she said, quote, Senator Manchin's comments this morning on Fox, that was Sunday morning, he was on Fox and said, I'm not going to vote for the president. And the president had to get every Democrat to vote for him, and that would give him a tie in the Senate. And then Vice President Harris, if she could find her way to the Senate chamber, she could cast the tie-breaking vote. That's the way things are set up in the in the Senate. So Biden thought he had this thing locked up. I know he did, and so did most of his, his cohorts, but it didn't happen. So Press Secretary Jen Psaki, she was angry. She's angry a lot, but she was very angry. She said Senate, uh, Senator Manchin's comments this morning on Fox are at odds with his discussions this week with the president. Uh, translated, that means he lied. And she goes on to say that. Continuing, she said, with the White House staff, he, his discussions this week with the president, with the White House staff, and with his own public utterances, weeks ago, Senator Manchin committed to the president at his home in Wilmington to support the Build Back Better framework that the president then subsequently announced to uh, publicly. Senator Manchin pledged to repeatedly to negotiate on finalizing that framework in good faith. Saki continued to make the case that Manchin has misled and lied to the president and to the 
Democratic Party. Therefore, he is lying to America and he is not to be trusted. And so, I mean, that's the implication of it. So she's essentially calling Senator Manchin a liar. But the record shows, and this will not surprise you, that it's the Biden administration that's being untruthful about how things went down. The things that she was outlining didn't happen that way. And it's on the record what was said and when it was said. Manchin and Schumer signed an agreement in July. Then the Democrats spent five months disregarding every provision of it and somehow thinking they could, I, I guess, bully, maybe, push, shove, convince, I don't know. I would think maybe more like bully, Manchin, into going along with it. Say, okay, okay, we've heard you. Yeah, oh yeah, no problem. Remember that the White House's first effort to work with Manchin was sending Kamala Harris to do local TV in West Virginia to pressure him, where she confused, and I, I got this, and I thought maybe it was me. I thought, surely the vice president is smarter than that. She, I mean, I, I, I really thought she was, but she's not. While she was in there, in West Virginia, and she had gone there to, she didn't really even tell Manchin she was coming to his state, which is, is, is not wise. She comes in there and starts talking to the local TV stations. She's the vice president of the United States. And he kind of finds out about it through the back door. And she's saying something that he doesn't agree with. So anyway, it was really tense from the get-go on this thing. But anything, anyway, while she was there, she got confused in a live interview with one of the TV stations. And she confused abandoned mine lands with abandoned landmines. Now, mine lands are those lands where they formerly mined, in this case, for coal. It would be like Issaquah. Those of you who live on the east side, you know that Issaquah used to be a, a coal mining place in that area. That would be what you would call an abandoned mine land. Abandoned landmines or what's in Afghanistan and the Middle East, and if you get off the road, you'll get blown up. I mean, she didn't even know the difference. She's vice president of the United States. So that's how it started, and Manchin did not take kindly to that. He thought he should have been notified that she was coming to the state and should have been included, but he wasn't. Manchin says they figure we, we can badger and beat up one person. He said, I'm from West Virginia, and I'm not from where they're from. And they think they can beat the living crap out of people. They can't. For President Biden, it all came down to the fact that he needed every single Democrat vote in the Senate, as I said, and he didn't get Manchin. Saki is promising we will find a way to move forward next year. The press is beginning to say, and the New York Times had a story really explaining this to everybody, saying, now, folks, now it's okay, you know, we're, we're going to be fine uh, this morning. Um it isn't okay. We'll see where this goes. But I thought it was worthwhile to talk a little bit about this today because it is consequential to the nation. And I believe there's a there's a lesson, there's a moral in all of this that each of us can take something away from. Manchin, and, and, and this is straight talk, and it's the light is on. Manchin is a wealthy man. And I want to say that up front. His family earned wealth. They started uh, either his father or his grandfather. It could have been his grandfather. I'm not sure. But anyway, 
either his father or grandfather started this coal company and mining. I mean, that's kind of what they do in that state. And uh, the, the family is very wealthy. But having said that in, in full um, clarity here, he is rejecting certain things by saying no to Biden. Peter Schweizer is president of Government Accountability Institute, GAI. He praised, and he knows a lot about stuff because he writes books. He praised Senator Joe Manchin as a Democrat from West Virginia. He called him a profile in courage yesterday. He said he rejected offers for self-enrichment, and he said you don't see that much in Washington, D.C. anymore, and you don't. It doesn't matter how much wealth they have. They always want more. Many, this wasn't the case with Manchin, but many of these politicians get elected and they go to Washington, D.C. really without, with no wealth, with no money, really. I mean, kind of with nothing. And just a few years later, you see them leave or you see them get reelected or whatever, and they're worth millions. You see disclosures, they're worth millions of dollars. Now, I'm not opposed to people being worth millions of dollars. I believe in capitalism. God bless you. If you can build things, sell things, create things, do things. I mean, Jesus himself taught capitalism in the parable of the talents. So that's not my point. My point is, how do they get so wealthy so fast on $150,000 a year, whatever the going rate is for a representative in the House of Representatives or in the Senate? How does that work? I think you and I know how that works. And that is the issue here that we're touching on in this situation with Joe Manchin. This guy has enough courage to say no to his own party and give up some perks, some pretty big perks. So Schweizer has written books on that and about the corruption in D.C., and they've been best-selling books. So he's done a lot of research on this. So while he was guest hosting Sean Hannity's radio program yesterday, Schweitzer noticed that he has done his research into politicians for both parties, and he has called out cronyism and corruption and self-enrichment. He said Joe Manchin resisted those temptations in voting no. He said because he, believe me, he said he was offered a lot of things, and it's time-honored tradition in Washington, D.C. to basically, if you can't buy a politician, to at least rent them. In other words, get them to just on this vote and then give them a bunch of stuff that enriches them or their family. Schweitzer doc- documented the corruption in his best-selling books. One of the one of his books, I think it is the best-selling of all of his books, and several of them are bestsellers. It's titled Profiles in Corruption, Abuse of Power by America's Progressive Elite. He says Manchin must have rejected bids to procure his support for Build Back Better, including offers to financially benefit him and his family. He says there's a time-honored tradition of buying off politicians. This is no doubt the sort of thing that was thrown at Joe Manchin that was offered to him, that was offered to West Virginia, that was offered to his family. It's public knowledge that Biden had already previously nominated Gail Manchin, Joe's wife, to a government position relating to the distribution of taxpayer funding ostensibly designated for the infrastructure, so-called. The position included... $163,000 salary, authority over funding appropriated to the Build Back Better legislation. In other words, if this bill goes through, then she gets to oversee the disbursement of $300 million. 
which would, could go to pet projects in their state. That can build political capital. On the first try, Biden had offered her the position of co-chair of something called Appalachian Regional Commission. And that's an entity that distributes funds to help improve, supposedly, infrastructure network. But in his follow-up attempt was when he was really trying to buy the Manchin family. The Biden administration offered the $300 million to distribute, quote-unquote, as needed. Senator Manchin said no thanks to all of that. And he did what he believed in his heart was best for the state and his country. He did the right thing. And I think he did the politically right thing, in my view. Ronald Reagan once said, there are no easy answers. We must have the courage to do what is morally right. That's why our nation has been so blessed of God, because we have been inseparably linked to Judeo-Christian values. Our founders pondered over the values that are taught in the Bible. They did not, were not trying to create a Christian colony out here on this continent. They were trying to create a nation. They called it an empire sometimes. That would be offensive to the left for sure, but they were trying to create a nation that under God would give people freedom to worship God freely. And if people were atheists, they could be an atheist. But freedom, personal, religious, belief, freedom, that's what they had in mind, and they believed the only sure foundation to build that kind of a nation was Judeo-Christian values and principles. So they weren't trying to build a religious colony. They were trying to build a prosperous nation. And using biblical values, they did just that. And it is the savants, and it is these people on the left that are trying to dismantle, as Barack Obama said repeatedly, remake America. Remake it into what? Marxism. Cultural Marxism has infected this nation. You talk about an infection from the virus. Cultural Marxism has infected every layer of this nation to some degree. The banner carriers are left-wing politicians and public education. And entertainment comes along and says, yes, amen, to everything they say. That's where we are today. There's no easy answers, as Reagan said, but we must have courage to do what's morally right. See, Mitchell Shaw was writing in the New American this week, and he says, So McConnell, never one to miss an opportunity to score political points, offered Manchin an invitation saying he doesn't fit well over there, meaning the Democrats, so why doesn't he come and join us? He's welcome with us. That's one of the few times I agree with McConnell. Maybe he should, but maybe he shouldn't. Maybe he should stay where he is and do what he does. But Sean notes that it is Manchin, not Biden who is reading the direction of the political winds wrongly. And he's right. Biden doesn't understand what's happening in America. I believe, I truly do, that there is kind of an awakening of that Christian consensus that Francis Schaeffer spoke about a generation ago. It's happening among the good and the decent and the people of America. And there are many. There are many, Democrat and Republican, that are good people. They believe in America. They believe in the values of America. And yes, we have, may have been silent and maybe absent when we should not have been, but there is an awakening. And I believe it will become a spiritual awakening. And I believe this we're seeing the beginning of it, not the end of it. And I also believe that I'm almost out of time. 
Thank you so much for being with me. And I know that that's true because the computer will go to the next program. So thank you so much for joining me today and being with me. Always a pleasure. Thank you for your support. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.